Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, reading there in the 24th chapter, beginning at the 24th verse. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house, you also Christian friends who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. When I say good morning, I suppose some of you have said, well, it's a dark and a gloomy morning, uh, rather dismal to be sure, but I know that God has given us this day and we ought to be grateful for it, and I do hope that all of you who are sitting at home by your radio worshiping with us and those of us who are here in God's house, thank God for the privilege of worshiping him at this hour. Today, as you know, is the fourth Sunday after Trinity. The text that I just read tells us of a man by the name of Felix and his wife Drusilla. You may not know much about Felix. May I say he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a Roman. He was a heathen man. He occupied quite a place of authority, however. This man, Felix, was the governor of the province of Judea. Now to the Jew, the capital city of Judea, of course, was Jerusalem. But when the Roman legions came and took Palestine, they made the city of Caesarea over on the Mediterranean coast. They made that city the capital of Judea rather than Jerusalem. And so this man, Felix, he lived at Caesarea on the Mediterranean Sea. And we are told that his wife, Drusilla, she was a Jewess. She was the youngest daughter of King Agrippa I. She had left her first husband because she had fallen in love with this man, Felix, and she went to live with him. He, again, was the governor. And now this is the story. When Paul had finished his third missionary journey, Paul went to Jerusalem because he had an offering for the poor Christians there. And one day he was in the temple, and there was a group in the temple at the time that accused Paul of bringing a Gentile, a non-Jew, into the sacred temple. And so there was a mob that rushed him, and they were ready to kill Paul, and they took him outside of the temple, willing to do that, when we are told the Roman authorities grabbed him and they locked him up for safekeeping. It was later discovered that there was a plot that had been hatched by over 40 men who had said that we're neither going to eat or drink until we have killed Paul. When that occurred, it was decided by the Roman authorities in Jerusalem that they would send Paul overnight to Caesarea. And so that's how Paul got to Caesarea, where this man Felix and Drusilla lived. Since Drusilla was a Jewish, she knew something about the coming Messiah. And since Paul had been preaching about the Messiah and about Christ, it so happened that this man Felix and his wife Drusilla decided 
that they would have Paul come before them and tell them something about this faith in Jesus Christ. As far as we know, there were only three of them there, and you can well be rest assured that Paul appreciated the privilege of going before them. And so Paul, when this man Felix called him, Paul began to tell this man and his wife about Jesus Christ and faith in him. And in telling about him as the Messiah and as the Savior who came to save us from sins, we are told that Paul told Felix about the righteousness of God, that God demands a perfect life. He told him also about self-control, that a man must control himself and not do that which he knows is wicked. And Paul also reminded this man, Felix, of the judgment to come. And when he did, we are told this was the reaction that the governor, Felix, began to tremble and he began to shake. He was terrified. His conscience was aroused. And when that happened, this is what he did. He turned to Paul and he said, Now, Paul, that'll be enough for now. You go your way. And when I have a convenient season, when the time is more convenient, I'll call you back. And so in the word of God, this man, Felix, is known as the individual that when he confronted Jesus Christ, when Paul brought Christ before him, when he had an opportunity to embrace him as his Savior, this was the man, Felix, who said, I'm going to delay, I'm going to wait for a more auspicious moment. I'm going to wait for a more acceptable time. I'm going to wait for a more appropriate time in order to deal with him. This was this man, Felix. And when we say, I wonder why Luke has this in the Word of God, that isn't hard. We can know this, that the Word of God has this story about Felix because the Word of God thus would warn you and me, don't ever be a Felix with regard to Jesus Christ and confronting him. The Word of God warns and it calls to you and me this morning, whatever you do when you embrace Jesus Christ and you come before him, never be a Felix. Never say, I'm going to delay, I'm going to wait for a more convenient time. I'm going to wait later, not now, Christ, but later. And you and I may say to ourselves this morning, after all, why does the word of God warn us against being a Felix? We may say, I don't see anything so terrible about that. Please, after all, what's so wrong about saying, now wait a minute, Jesus, uh, for the now, no, not now will I confront you, but I will later. You and I may say, after all, we're not giving him the brush off. Uh, we're not saying we aren't going to repent and believe in him. All that we're saying, if we are Felixes, we're just saying that I'm going to wait for a more opportune time, a nicer time. I'm going to wait for a more acceptable time, but not now. I'm going to delay, and I will wait. You may say, preacher, what's wrong with that? Or you may say, I don't see anything. So what's so terrible about that? It seems to be rather innocent just to say, not now, Christ, but later. And we may say, as long as our intentions are good, uh, why should the Scriptures warn that you and I should not be a Felix? We should not be a Felix person that when we confront Jesus Christ, we should never say, not now, Christ, but later, then I will reckon with you. Well, on the basis of the Word of God, when the Word of God warns you and me, don't be a Felix. See to it that in your life you are not this kind of a person that you're going to say, not now Christ, but later. The Word of God warns because the Word of God would assure this is what's wrong. It's very dangerous. The Word of God would remind us that we should ever be a Felix, that we should say, 
I'm going to delay and I'm going to wait until a more opportune, a more propitious time. Then I'm going to reckon with him. And we may say, well, now what's really, preacher, so dangerous about that? What's so perilous? What's so hazardous about saying when we confront Christ, and not now, Christ, but later, I'll reckon with you and I'll come to grips with you, but not now. What, uh, what's so dangerous about it? And on the basis of Scripture, the Scriptures in the first place would remind you and me of this, that whenever we delay and we say, I'm going to wait until a more opportune time, that this really means we are saying no to the Holy Spirit who is calling us, and we are hardening our hearts against him. We may say, it, it seems so innocent, it's so innocuous, that, that surely can't be very harmful, that when Christ calls me, that I say, not now, but later. Bear in mind that when Paul was standing before this man, Felix, that the Holy Spirit was working in the word of God. And when Paul brought him the law and said, Felix, God demands an absolute perfect life. God demands that you have self-control. There's a judgment to come. And therefore you need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior who died for our sins to bring life and salvation. Felix began to tremble. The Holy Spirit was doing something. The Holy Spirit was getting to that man's soul. And when that man, Felix, said, Now, Paul, you can go. Not now. But a little later, what was he doing? He was saying no to the Holy Spirit. Whenever in your experience and mind the word of God comes and it begins to do something, it begins to jab us as it were under the fifth rib. It begins to get a hold of our conscience that God has given every one of us, this spark of celestial fire. And again, there comes an awakening within us and we come to a conviction that we're a sinner. Let's know this. This is the Holy Spirit who is pleading with you and me. And whenever we even say, not now, Christ, what we are saying is no to the Holy Spirit. And every time we say no, we are dulling our conscience. And every no in your life and mine when we confront Jesus Christ means that we dull that sense of morality within us, that sense of right and wrong, to the point that we slowly kill this conscience and our sense of obligation to God and as we kill our conscience, we kill our hearts, that when the Holy Spirit continues to call, that it's like water on a duck's back. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It is dangerous in your life and mine to be a Felix, to say, not now, but later, because it means that we turn our backs on the Holy Spirit, who is the one that makes Christians. He is the one alone that brings us to faith in Jesus Christ. And the danger then is this, that this can only lead to one thing, that we permanently reject the Holy Spirit, that we commit the unpardonable sin against him, and that you and I live with our day of grace done, that we are lost and damned even though we are alive. We may say, is it that dangerous? To be sure it is. In your life and mine, when we stand and the Holy Spirit calls and he gets to us, and the word of God comes and we begin to feel a sense of guilt, and the Holy Spirit is calling us to faith in Jesus Christ, and you and I continue to say no, the time comes when we have hardened our hearts and we've killed our consciences, that the Holy Spirit says, all right, you have killed your heart. You have simply gotten yourself cold and colder than stone against me. Now I will harden your heart and it is over with. I'm done. I'm through with you forever. And when that's the unpardonable sin, why? Because we never want forgiveness. 
when that hardness of heart comes and the Holy Spirit says, I've pled long enough, and because you have continually said, no, I'm done, then there is this tragedy of still being alive and the day of grace gone and you and I lost and condemned. This man's feet, the man that when he was confronted by Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit was calling to him, he could only reply, I'm going to delay. I'm going to wait for a more opportune time. I'm going to wait for a more convenient time, a better time, a golden time, little realizing that he was saying no to the Holy Spirit, that he was on the road to spiritual suicide. This is why the Word of God warns you and me, don't be a Felix. Don't be a Felix person who delays when you come into contact with Jesus Christ, don't be one that says, I'm going to wait. I'm not turning him down, but I, I'm going to wait for a better time, a more opportune and a more uh, occasion when again this will be propitious and this will be finer. I'm going to wait for that greatest of all time, which is going to be the best time. The Holy Spirit would remind you and me this is a horribly dangerous and tragic road because... The Holy Spirit would remind you and me and the scriptures do. It means this on your part and mine, that we absolutely refuse to believe that death can come to us suddenly and that it can come to us any time in our lives. You know, there's one thing we try to get away from believing, and that is that we can die any time. Well, all of us know that we can die. But the hardest thing in your life and in my life is to believe, first of all, for you to believe that you can die. It's very easy for you to believe that I can die. It's very easy for me to believe that you can die. But the most difficult thing is for you to believe that you can die, or that you will die, or for me to believe that I will die. You and I don't like to believe that. We feel there's something about this that you and I somehow are going to be an exception, that we are not going to face death. And yet we, therefore, when we come to Jesus Christ and we come to embrace him and we come into contact with him, it is so easy, isn't it, to say, not now, Christ, but later. Uh, it will be more convenient. It will be more opportune. It will be more propitious at that time. Uh, it will be, oh, much more to the, in keeping with the occasion and more delightful for the simple reason that we say to ourselves, Death isn't going to come suddenly. I'm going to live a long time. We like to quote Psalm 90, don't we, by Moses, where Moses said, The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. But bear in mind, the word of God doesn't say that you and I are going to reach seventy, or that we're going to reach eighty. Some will, but nowhere in the word of God does God tell you and me that there's going to be a tomorrow that there will be 70 or 80 years? Not at all. In order to realize the brevity of human life, just read your bulletin this morning. I had three funerals last week. It started out last Monday with a stillborn babe, a child that was born and never saw the light of day, born dead. The next one, a man 39 years old in the prime of life, 39. The next funeral, a woman 87. Stillborn, 39, 87. What greater proof do you and I need? 
than to know that this is fact, that we can die any time. And isn't it a wonderful thing that God has not told you and me when we're going to die? Some of us may say, why didn't God tell us we're going to die at 80 or at 85? Supposing God had said, I'm going to let you live till you're 80 or 85. What would happen? You and I and our lives, we debate Jesus Christ. We took out a lot of time for him. What do I want to worry about him now for? And we'd go on and live and we'd run the gamut of everything in life until that time would come. And we would then find out that we had so hardened our hearts in the path of sin that we had killed our conscience that when that day of death would come, we would find that we wouldn't even want him. It would all be over. The heart would be hardened. One of the greatest blessings of God's grace is this, that God doesn't tell you and me when we're going to die. That God just reminds you and me that we are, again, only strangers and pilgrims. We have no continuing city here. We are as the grass of the field. We are as the flowers. We are, again, that mortal, and life can come any time. And therefore, this is what it means in order to delay and say, I'm going to wait for a better time, a more convenient time, that we're saying to ourselves, it can't happen to me, and because it can, it's very dangerous to be a Felix, because nowhere in the Word of God is there any promise whatever that when death comes that you and I will have another chance to come to grips with Jesus Christ. When death comes, that's it. That's the end of the day of grace for you and me. There is nothing in Scripture that says that after death we shall face Jesus Christ again and that we'll have another opportunity to embrace him or to believe in him, to repent of our sins. The Word of God tells us that after death there are only two places, heaven and hell. There is no place where you and I may atone for our sins, even the sin of grieving against the Holy Spirit or the sin of unbelief, not at all. The Word of God reminds us, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. This man, Felix, a rather interesting character, went again through Paul preaching and bringing Christ to him when he had the opportunity of a lifetime. When he began to tremble and he began to shake and something was happening within him, he was able to say, now Paul, you can go. Uh, when I have a convenient time, when the time will be better, when it will be more propitious, when again it will be the kind that I want it more acceptable, I'll get around to this thing. But oh, you know, to be a Felix is a most dangerous thing. Because the Word of God also reminds us that when we become a Felix, when we say to ourselves, not now, Christ. No, now just be patient, Jesus. I I'm not giving you the brush off. Bear that in mind. My intentions are really good, Jesus. But I'm going to wait for a more convenient time. Can't you understand, Jesus, what I'm doing? I I'm not telling you that I'm going to reject you. I, I just want you to wait. And the Word of God says, you realize how dangerous that is? What does it mean? It means this, that you and I are refusing to believe. We are refusing to believe that when Christ comes again, 
that Christ is going to come suddenly and that he can come any time. He can come any time even as death. I remember officiating at the funeral of a local doctor here in town. The afternoon before his death, he had gone to Columbus to a heart specialist, and the heart specialist had examined him from stem to stern, as it were, and told him that he was in the best of health. The next morning, he was found in his chair, dead of a heart attack. How about then the coming of Jesus Christ? Paul, there in Caesarea, when he was talking to this man, Felix, and his wife, Drusilla, he told them of the judgment to come. Christ is coming again. And you and I may say, well, uh, after all, uh, he's going to come. It's going to be thousands and thousands of years from now. Rather strange, isn't it, that here, this was in the 60s, and Christ had died in 33, and here was Paul over here in Caesarea uh, telling this man, Felix, that there's a coming judgment, and this thing is coming, and yet 2,000 years have come and gone. We've got to say, well, if Paul was talking about it coming, it surely must be a lot closer today since 2,000 years have elapsed. But how about Christ's return and his coming? Is it millions of years away? What did Christ say? But Christ said, behold, I come quickly. In other words, Christ says, bear this in mind. I come quickly. I can come any time. He could come right now. He could come within the next five seconds. He also said, when I come, I'll come as a thief in the night. You'll not expect me. It's going to be a great shock. It's going to be a tremendous surprise. And he also said this one day, he said, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Jesus said, this is a great military secret in heaven. It's only with God. He said, even as man, I don't know when the end will come. As God, he does. This is a secret. It's going to be, again, a secret that God will reveal. Oh, how dangerous it is to, again, to be a Felix, to say, no, Christ, not now, but uh, at a more convenient time, later, I will do it when the Word of God assures you and me, yet we don't want to believe that Christ says, I can come any time, be ready any time. And oh, again, it would be dangerous, wouldn't it, to be a Felix, because as we are in that billionth of a second when Christ will return, so will we be throughout all eternity. Here was a man, Felix, standing before Paul. Here was a man just shaking in his boots. The word of God had gotten into him. It had gotten to him. He had a conscience that was troubling him. He knew he was a sinner. He knew again what Paul was saying was true. And yet again, here was the Holy Spirit calling he turned around and he said, I'm going to delay. I'm going to put this thing off. I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to wait a little later. He was so restless, wasn't he? He was so upset within. What does it mean to be again a Felix? That if Christ should come and in that moment come as our judge, it would mean an eternity of restlessness. Anybody here within the sound of my voice that doesn't know what it means to be upset within? Have you never seen the time when you thought you could fly out of your skin? Did you ever see the time when you cried out you couldn't sleep during the day and you couldn't sleep at night and you walked the floor because, again, everything within here was in turmoil and you cried out, Oh, God, I can't stand it. 
I'm ready to blow my stack. I think we've all known what that is. Some people say, what is hell? Hell is eternal restlessness. That's hell, isn't it? You know of any greater hell than when down inside of it you're all turned up and your bones are waxing old through your roaring all the day long? You know of any hell that could be worse? No wonder I had people come to see me and the young woman out long ago, she says, Oh, I tried suicide. May I say, friends, where did you ever get the idea of that suicide's going to bring rest? Where did you ever get the idea that death is an annihilation? Where did you ever get the idea that this is going to end up and that you're going to find that peace that you can't find in life? For God's sake, don't you know that death is not an annihilation? That's not the end. To take our own life, to find rest, means only to find an eternity of restlessness where the worm dieth not. The journey. This is what it is. An eternity. That's why the word of God says, don't be a Felix. Don't be a Felix person that when you confront Jesus Christ, that you politely say, not now Christ, but a little later. I'll deal with you a little later. When they say, oh, it looks so innocent and so innocuous and it looks so harmless. The word of God would say, what is more dangerous? What is more perilous? What is more horrible than to have Christ come? To find that you're still waiting. Oh, will good intentions mean a thing? Christ, remember he told the five foolish virgins when he shut the door, depart from me, I never knew you. We say to ourselves, Felix, don't be a Felix. Don't be a Felix and when we are face to face with Jesus Christ, God's Son, your Lord and mine and Savior, let's not be one that says, I'm going to delay. I'm going to wait. Not now, but later. It's the most dangerous thing that you and I can do. We ought to then determine today that we're going to heed that plea and the first thing we ought to do is stop and say, now wait a minute. Is it all over with me already? I'm still living. Have I committed the sin against the Holy Ghost? Is it all unpardonable? Is it just simply my day of grace all gone? You know, when I know whenever you talk about the unpardonable sin, the sin against the Holy Ghost, we get upset. May I say this? If you're even asking that right now, is it all over? Is there still hope? You have not committed the sin against the Holy Ghost. It's, it's as simple as this. If you are, and I are even concerned, if there's even one iota concern, I hope to God I haven't. The Holy Spirit is still working on you and me. He isn't finished. Don't write him off too soon. The man that's committed the sin against the Holy Ghost said, Preacher, I couldn't care less. I don't care whether he's written me off. If you and I right now even care, and we say, Oh God, anything but to bite the hand that's feeding me. Anything but to have the Holy Spirit turn his back and to be a living dead man, then we haven't. Then we have not. And the other thing we ought to ask ourselves, 
When you hear the word of God, when we hear it, what reaction do we have? Anybody within the sound of my voice, either here in church or on the radio, is here and say, what does that guy know? Anybody here, why would a bunch of nuts get in church on Sunday morning and want to hear that drivel that's supposed to be from the Bible? May I say, son, if this is the way you feel, you better look twice. It may be all over. Because one of the marks of the unpardonable sin is blasphemy. It's ridicule. Oh, it's easy to ridicule, buddy. It's easy to laugh at it. But I've always found that guys that laugh and ridicule are usually scared to death. You don't frighten me a bit, son, but it may all be over. I hope to God you're not making fun that we're a bunch of idiots who hear the word of God. I hope that isn't true, because if it is, for God's sake, get down on your knees and begin to pray for mercy. It may all be over. This is how serious it is, Felix. Then we ought to say this to ourselves this morning. There'll never be an easier time than right now to reckon with Jesus Christ. That doesn't take a lot of logic to prove that. You realize there'll never be another moment in your life and mine if we're playing the role of Felix. Never be another moment that's easier than right now. An hour from now, it's going to be a little harder. Tomorrow, it's going to be harder than today. You may say, how so? Because every time we say no, and we delay reckoning with Christ as Lord and Savior and refuse to repent, every time you and I say no, we dull our conscience and we harden our hearts, and the Holy Spirit begins to harden his against us. There never will be. I can prove that easily. How many people do you see come to Christ that are 50 years of age? See a big block? 60, 70, did you ever see anybody of 80 come? How's come that the greatest gains among children up to about the age of 20? Then the line goes down and it's downhill all the way. You know why? Because every day that you and I live without him and we live our own way and we hardened our lives in our own ways, in the paths of sin, it becomes every day more difficult to turn and to believe in Jesus Christ. There never will be a more propitious moment. There never will be a more opportune time in your life than mine than right now. Tomorrow, it may be too late. Tomorrow, it's more difficult. Yesterday, it was easier than today. This is the way it works. You see, you don't make fun of the Holy Spirit. You and I don't kick him around. No, this man, Felix, you know, it sounded so good and innocuous and so harmless, didn't it? And not today, Paul. You go and tomorrow. It ought to mean this then that you and I would take advantage if this is the easiest hour that will ever come. What's wrong with repenting of our sins and turning to Jesus Christ? What's wrong? We may say, well, how can I? Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that here was a man, Felix, in spite of the fact that he was an idol worshiper, that he had stolen another man's wife, in spite of the fact that they were living in sin, here was a Christ that died for those sins. Here was every opportunity, the Holy Spirit working. Felix, repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ. Here is life, here is salvation. Some of us may say, well, I can't do it now. Look at, look at my past. I don't care what you mention, whatever it is. 
You may be horribly ashamed of it, but Jesus say, well, I, I died on the cross. I bore hell for that sin. Whatever you and I may mention, this is what I've done. Jesus said, I died on the cross. I paid that bill in full. And Christ would say to you and me, listen, I've got a robe of righteousness that I earned for you on Calvary. It's whiter than snow. It will cover up every dirty, stinking thing that you've ever done in life. If you would just tell me you're sorry and sorry enough to quit sin and deliberately, and you will put your hope and trust in me as your Savior, and I'll put this robe on you. You will stand as though you were holy in the sight of God, as though you had never sinned. This is Jesus Christ. What in the world would cause us to say, if we've never reckoned with him, we're going to wait when it's so dangerous? And here we have the Lord's Supper when Jesus would say, and here I also give you this assurance, that in my supper, that if you come and receive lowly bread and wine, that I will communicate by means of that bread and wine my body and my blood. My body that was given and my blood that was shed on the cross that opened up heaven for the world, I'll give you these two tremendous erasers, my body and my blood. And you'll know that you got them just as sure as you are that you receive bread and wine. And these two tremendous erasers, my body and my blood, will erase from your soul every dirty, stinking thing that's ever been on it. But you stand before God with your soul whiter than snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And you have on my robe. This is Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying. Don't delay. Oh, it's rather interesting, this man Felix. He never called him back to hear anything about Christ. He called him back to see if he couldn't get a bribe. We're told by Luke that he called Paul. He expected the Christians in Rome and in Jerusalem to raise a fund and to grease his palm and to bribe him to let Paul out. And of course the Christians wouldn't do anything like that. And so he let Paul in that jail. I was in Caesarea and I'm telling you it's a dungeon. When I got there I thought to think that Paul spent two years in some of these horrible places where not even fit for animals or for dogs or for rats. And what did he do? He led him there for two years because he wouldn't grease the palm of his hand. And then when he was succeeded, this man, Felix by Festus, when he went on, he should have pardoned him. He led him there because he thought, I'll please his enemies. And he was out for the favor of those that hated Paul. This was it. This man, Felix. What an ironical thing. He blew it, to be sure. That in hell, you happen to know what the name Felix means? It's the Latin word for happy. The happy one. Can you imagine the regret of a man by the name of Felix, the happy one, in hell, in eternal restlessness, eternal trembling and frightening, and saying to himself, I had an opportunity one day. Paul was there and told me about Jesus Christ and I blew it. I simply said, no, not now, but tomorrow. A man in the regret of hell by the name of Happy, the happy one who could have been happy in heaven, but now eternally separated because he said, not now, Christ, later. Let's not be a Felix. The altar call of Jesus Christ is, believe, put your trust in me, and I'll put the robe on you that I merited for you. 
and come to my holy supper and my body and my blood will wash your souls whiter than snow that you can go down to your house in peace. That's the peace of heaven. Delay not, delay not, O sinner, draw near. The waters of life are now flowing for thee. No price is demanded. The Savior is here. Redemption is purchased. Salvation is free. Oh, let's not be a Felix. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keeping the night your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.